Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and uh, today we're going to be talking about a couple different topics. So we're going to start by uh, talking about the why or why not of potential cross-play happening between PS4 and Xbox owners. It's been kind of a hot, uh, hot number for a little bit, and we had some more recent news about it yesterday. Then we're going to go into the Nintendo Direct that was on last week. We're going to talk a little bit about the winners and the losers and uh, what I thought were some interesting things and, and some things I thought were, quite frankly, mind-boggling about it. And then lastly, we're going to go into kind of a recap of the meeting that was held at the White House last week, which was to address violent video games, which had members of uh, Congress, had members of the video game industry, and also had uh, other civilians there for whatever reason. So uh, let's just hit the ground running. Uh, As always, uh, if you can, like, subscribe, and share if you like our content. It's so much appreciated. Uh, We've been really enjoying a lot of success with with these videos, and, and if you like it, please let us know. And if you don't, that's okay too. Let us know. Maybe we can fix it and make it better for you. Um, so anyway, though, let's let's get started right away. And the, really, the the news article here is that Microsoft is claiming that Sony is holding back crossplay. So the crossplay thing's been been strange for a while because if you remember at E three last year, they announced that Minecraft, when it was coming to the Switch, was going to be crossplay with like Xbox, Windows and Nintendo all cross-play. And, and everyone was like, well, that's crazy. Like, the console makers actually working together is fantastic. I mean, that that's awesome. That's what we all want. Like, I should be able to play the same game that my friends are playing on an Xbox on the PS4. Like, that just makes sense to me. And so there were, there's been some interesting things uh, going on about it. So let's kind of see here. So back in 2016, I want to kind of cover a few of these things. Back in 2016... Uh, Microsoft announced that between Windows 10 and Windows Xbox One, there would start being cross-play. So it was uh, it was basically paving the way for Rocket League players to be able to play PC and Xbox One. Now, that was something that already had begun working uh, with the PlayStation 4 and Steam. So it was basically, they were already kind of easing into the cross-play thing. And then these guys, you know, so Microsoft in 2016 said that they're doing it and Sony had already been doing it. So at that time... Apparently, uh, Microsoft went further and said, here's an open invitation for other networks to participate, basically insinuating Sony. Uh, and then later, uh, someone at GameSpot interviewed a Sony rep. And the Sony rep basically, I don't want to say dodged the question, but they kind of they kind of didn't answer it fully. And they said, PlayStation has been supporting, quote, PlayStation has been supporting cross-platform play between PC on several software titles, starting with Final Fantasy XI on PS2 and PC back in 2002. Sony said, we would be happy to have the conversation with any publishers or developers who are interested in cross-platform play. So that was Sony's stance in 2016. They were saying, oh, we'll cross-play. We have no problem with cross-play. Well, let's do it. And then, um, apparently... Uh, it was kind of churned up again because uh, the head of Psionics, who does Rocket League, told IGN that everything was in place to make the game cross-play between PS4 and Xbox One. All the studio needed was permission from both the companies involved. Also, uh, another company, though, CD Projekt Red, the studio behind the Witcher series, and, uh, and most recently Gwent, said something similar, quote, Microsoft already confirmed Gwent's cross-play feature not only between Xbox One and PC, but also other consoles if they allow it. And then uh, that's what the CEO, uh, Martin Iwinski, told IGN. Quote, all we need is a green light from Sony, end quote. 
so and, and right now rocket league is actually uh cross play between xbox one and switch but not ps4 uh and uh, same thing goes for gwent you can't like xbox owners and playstation owners can't play together uh and then like i was saying earlier 2017 at e3 is when they announced minecraft being able to be cross played between switch mobile pc and xbox one but again not ps4 <laughs> so you have to wonder like what that what you know what the hell's going on why is it always like an issue um and so when they asked about it Eurogamer asked uh the head of playstation global sales and marketing jim ryan and here's what he said quote we have a contract with the people who go online with us that we look after them and they are within the playstation curated universe exposing what in many cases are children to external influences we have no ability to manage or look after it's something we have to think about very carefully end quote so basically what he's saying is that the reason there's no backwards compatibility or excuse me no cross play is because sony wants to be in charge of the environment that their people play he was saying it more about kids and, and clearly that makes sense in regards to minecraft so he was saying it had to do with the fact that nin that they couldn't guarantee that sony fans would have the experience that they deem appropriate if they were playing with xbox nintendo and pc players so let's see uh where to start with this i guess what i would say is well let, let me just lay it all out here so i'm more of a sony guy i always have ever since the ps1 i've been a, a sony leaning guy to say the least i i appreciate sony consoles more like i've always had xboxes i've had nintendo systems but playstation is what what like turbocharged me into the gamer that i am today like ps1 ps2 ps3 and ps4 were all just incredible incredible experiences um ps3 obviously had a rough launch but it, it turned into an, a, just a powerhouse and then the ps4 start to finish has been just an incredible system ps1 i often tell customers at the store i, I tell them that the ps1 almost feels like the last time for me that gaming felt different so you've got you know, the, the PS4 is essentially a PS1 with nicer graphics. Instead of playing music CDs like the PS1 did, now it plays Blu-rays. But the idea is kind of the same. You have a controller, you have games in 3D, they just happen to look better than they used to. As to where when I first played the PS1, I, I felt like the PS1 was such a different experience. It was so awesome, and, and it was just worlds different. You know, that was the shift in technology at that time. And so... So I've always been a Sony guy. That's the point. You know, I, I'm 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 a pro Sony guy, not anti Microsoft. Just I'm not really pro Microsoft because I don't like the Xbox one as hardware. I think it's slow and clunky in, in regards to updates and installs and it just everything takes longer. Having to have the Internet just to set up the system. It's frustrating to me, like little things, you know. And uh, so anyway, as a Sony guy. I guarantee you 100% this is Sony's decision and that's why this is not happening. So uh, Phil Spencer from Microsoft seems to be 100% on board that if Sony would come to the table and say, hey, let's make all of these games cross-platform, they'd be okay with that. Um, and it just seems like for whatever reason, Sony doesn't want to come to the table. So then you have to ask yourself, why? Why wouldn't Sony want to do cross-play? So we have a little bit of proof here from, from Jim Ryan who's basically saying... He, he's saying that because of the kids, they want to make sure that the 
the kids that play have a safe environment to play in that they can't monitor and they can't regulate if they're playing with people from other systems. So let's kind of break that down a little bit. So what he's saying is Sony has no control over, say, banning somebody or restricting somebody from Xbox Live or from PC. So say they're all in a game and you've got someone from Xbox or on the PC being a total totally um, just horrible, harassing, saying terrible things to a kid, Sony can't do anything about that. They can't go to Microsoft and say, hey, you should ban this guy. He's a real piece of work. Like that that system is not in place and to put it in place, I don't I don't think it would be worth the resources and, and everything like that. So that's really what he's saying is they have no control over the other networks. I think the other thing you have to look into as well is the fact that Sony's hack uh, many many years ago still resonates with them so i think sony still looks at everything and and is like um we don't want people from other systems maybe there's a maybe there's a way if, if they use that system they can somehow hack our system like that i guarantee that thought is still around they're still so jarred and still af so afraid by that hack i mean the ps4 didn't allow external hard drive use till just recently because you could tell that my, sony was trying to keep like everything restricted and they're, they're trying to minimize the hacking and the modding of their systems which are notoriously modded and hacked throughout the years the vita most recently ps3 was done for a long time and um i don't know where ps4 hacking actually is i haven't i haven't looked into it uh to see where it is but sony seems to have a handle on it now with the way they do their updates so you know, they seem to have figured out that part of it. So they start allowing little things like, oh, yeah, you can use an external two to four to eight to 10 terabyte hard drive. You can use, you know, other th devices that aren't going to mess with our system and aren't going to be a gateway for someone to hack or mod our systems. So that's number two. And three, um, I, I think this really does come down to the fact that there is quite the difference in corporate policies between an American company and a Japanese company. It, it's It's pretty well known that Japanese companies are not big fans of American companies in Japan. So, uh, you know, you don't see a lot of support. Like, like Sony being a Japanese company, I don't think the head of their management, the people who make these decisions, I don't think they want to be cross-play with one, a competitor, and two, with an American company competitor. I think they look at Microsoft as essentially an enemy that they're always constantly trying to get a one-up on. And when they do stuff like this, even though to me this is for the people playing, the, the, to do crossplay would be incredible. I wish they would do crossplay. That's my my opinion on it. But you can tell why they don't want to do it. Like Microsoft is looked at not in the most favorable terms as an American company in Japan to a Japanese company. So I think, and again, there's no proof of that. That's just my own personal, you know, what I know of the industry, what I know um, about things. That's my guess is that, is that part of it has to do with the, with the philosophy differences between a company like Microsoft and a company like Sony, uh, regionally speaking, and obviously corporate speaking, Microsoft being a huge company, much, much bigger. Sony always feeling like an underdog and, and Sony going through a lot of fiscal troubles over the last couple of years and the PlayStation division essentially being like the only shining light in the, in, in all of Sony. So, you know, they, they're very protective of that. I think they're being very careful. Um, and now part of the reason this got woken up again was because there was a recent announcement that, uh, Fortnite battle Royale was coming to mobile. Like, Oh, that's really cool. And it's going to be compatible with PC, PS4, mobile are all cross-play. And again, not Xbox. <laughs> so 
there was uh so then there was a a point talking about um because it and here here's what's kind of goofy about it um last year there was actually a few hours where an accident happened at Epic Studios. For a few hours in September, cross-play between the two platforms actually happened. We had a configuration issue and has now been corrected. Uh, right on cue, uh, and then after that, Phil Spencer, the head of Microsoft, goes uh, went on Twitter and was like, I would have liked to see them leave it on. So Phil Spencer seems to be 100% on board with cross-play between Xbox and PS4. But it was interesting that that Epic actually made a mistake and allowed crossplay to happen. And the reason it happened was, or the reason someone noticed was there was someone playing and he noticed a username from another player that like killed him or that he killed. And it had like something in it, either a symbol or a space, some sort of something that made this guy go, wait a minute, you can't have those in a PlayStation username. So apparently he logged into his Xbox, he searched that person's name and saw that that person was playing Fortnite. So he actually accidentally discovered that there was another player playing Fortnite on Xbox that he was playing with. I mean, that's really that's really kind of funny. So it was an it was a mistake. Allegedly, uh, Epic claims it was a mistake. I actually am wondering if it was sort of a test that if it was possible and if it was possible, maybe that was something that they could push to Microsoft and Sony be like, hey, let's get, you know, Fortnite, you know, let, let, let's let people know how, you know, how we can do this and how well it works and so uh which is weird because this is a little bit of a, di a divergence so like i said phil spencer was on twitter and said i would love to see this work um however back in 2011 uh in an interview with kotaku the head of tryon global brand directing alex rodberg he told kotaku about its upcoming shooter defiance which was like a shooter mmo that came out on console uh he said it wouldn't be cross-play because Microsoft won't let Sony players play against them. So then once Kotaku reached out to Microsoft to confirm that was the case, quote, Microsoft said, quote, we have a high level of, of expectation for our game developers to ensure that all live experiences remain top-notch. Uh, when we can't, because we can't guarantee this level of quality or control the player experience on other consoles or gaming networks, we currently do not open our network to games that allow this crossover capability. So, a couple interesting points about that. So this is that was Microsoft's stance, which is basically Sony's stance now. Now, do you think maybe Sony holds this stance because Microsoft? Maybe there was some sort of get together back in 2011, and they were trying to work this out. And Microsoft came to the table in 2011. And we're like, you know what? We're in the middle of like the most brutal. Well, we're near the end of the most brutal console war we've ever had. 360 versus PS3 was an incredible like you know head-to-head -head showdown with the ps3 worldwide coming out overhead but microsoft doing really well in other places of the world it was very close i mean i don't think you could pick a winner technically i mean 360 was in my opinion the pinnacle of microsoft's hardware it was very good had great games they had great uh you know they had great first party support the system was really really good and they had a bunch of original games like games like gears of war which i know isn't microsoft that's epic but it was published by microsoft now microsoft owns it and then you had stuff like halo and forza and and fable and you had all these games that were like really good exclusives which now are seemingly most are absent uh, in their current form from the xbox one and so you have to wonder if maybe they tried to come together back then and Sony felt burned by it. And now they're just like, you know what, forget it. Because now it's quite a different story in regards to the system war of this generation. Which it's hard to believe that this is technically, in November it will be five years since the PS4 and Xbox One launched. Like, 
how has it been five years of this generation already? I feel like my PS4 has hardly any use on it. You know, I just, it's crazy to me that, uh, I mean, I have a ton of PS4 games. You see behind me, I've got almost 300 PS4 games, but it doesn't feel like that. I don't know. It's, it's so strange, but I, I, I mean, obviously it's true and it's, uh, it's, it's cool, but this, uh, this console cycle, this war has been a little different. So, Sony now is in like the top dog position, which you could argue that Microsoft kind of was at in 2011 in, in charge of no, negotiating things, or at least they were on more level footing. Sony here doesn't need to do anything like that. Sony doesn't need to do cross play to get more people to play their games. You could argue that X, Microsoft does because the Xbox One doesn't really have anything that's exclusive to their console. If it's not you know, they have exclusives that aren't on PS4, but they everything on PC is on Xbox One. And so you might argue that they're looking for any sort of advantage they can get. So they'll do cross-play. They'll do whatever they have to do to try to get out on top, as opposed to Sony right now, who's like, you know what, we're good. We're, we're fine. We don't, we don't need any help, which honestly is very arrogant. And I would like Sony to not realize it's not for them. It's for us as consumers. And it's, it's a good thing to do for the consumers. So we would like to have it. And like I said, as a big Sony guy, I'm very disappointed in them that they aren't working harder to make this work. Uh, and again, who knows why, uh, there could be a million reasons. I think I laid out three pretty good ones, but it could be, you know, uh, anything else. So I guess in closing then, um, I would just say that Microsoft and Sony need to figure this out. You know, we're getting to a point in in gaming now and in technology where it's no longer a good excuse that you're competing companies so you can't work together. That really doesn't make sense to me. And I think if these companies want to work together, the thing is they don't really make money on hardware anyway. The, the, all their money really comes from software and accessories. So why not, you know, why not put your games out there, put your hardware out there and then just work on making your games and then let players come together. It, it just seems like a no brainer to me. And I guess the one thing that would definitely seem to be holding Sony back is not having any control over the content on the other systems. So there has to be some sort of system in place that says this user was reported by Sony to Microsoft and it resulted in a ban of Microsoft. Or you could have some sort of setting in the game that says, you know what? I don't want to play with Xbox people. I don't want to play with PC people. And this doesn't even get into the whole argument about PC and console, mouse and keyboard versus controller, all that sort of stuff. This is straight console, console. So you both have people with controllers. There's really no difference in, I would say, there's no difference in skill level or in um, accessibility. It's not like, I mean, a mouse and keyboard, in my opinion, gives you a huge advantage over somebody with a controller. You're more accurate. You, you, can, you have better speed. Um, you have games like Overwatch on console actually has an aim assist as opposed to PC does not. And it's just kind of how they've worked out to balance the PC mouse and keyboard versus the controller debate. And so, but this isn't the case here. This is controller versus controller. So that doesn't have anything to do with it. So they have that. Plus we have to work out, like I said, some sort of system where Sony and, you know, can report someone to Microsoft and then their customer service will take care of bands and, and stuff like that. But then do they monitor the whole network themselves or do they only monitor Sony's side? And then, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just, the whole thing's kind of messy. So I definitely get where they're coming from when they worry about, you know, how to take care of the different people in the situation, but it's good for the consumer. Uh, we need to stop trying to protect us all the time and just let us do the things we want to do. Um, so after that, we're going to talk a little bit about the Nintendo direct. And we're going to talk a lot about the Nintendo direct. 
So this was last Thursday. Nintendo dropped a Nintendo Direct that was... All they really talked about was that it was going to focus on Mario Tennis Aces. But it ended up being uh, like a half hour long. Which, uh, which which is actually pretty long. Uh, that's a solid direct. You know, a lot of directs can be five to fifteen minutes if they're only talking about one game or two games. And so we're going to kind of talk about the what I thought were the hits and misses, and what I thought is good, and what I have issues with with some of the remakes and other things like that. So um, first up uh, was some 3DS news. Now this is kind of interesting because. The 3DS is essentially toast. So the, this is the last, this is the final year of the 3DS. So there will not be a lot of 3DS support next year. Probably a few titles will trickle out, you know, games that have been in development, stuff like that. But for the most part, this I think is going to be the last year where Nintendo makes new, like, official Nintendo products for the 3DS. They want to transition everybody to the Switch, and um, and they're going to be working on that. So with that, they had a couple of interesting ones. They're, they're coming out with WarioWare Gold. So it's a it's a WarioWare like, compilation of a ton of new games, a bunch of old games. WarioWare is fun, but it's a pretty simple, basic game. So it doesn't surprise me. What more surprised me is that there wasn't a Wario 3DS game already. I mean, I don't know why they didn't do a WarioWare. They always seem to back pocket this until they just like, oh, shoot, we don't have any games to release. Let's throw out a WarioWare game. So we have WarioWare coming August 3rd. Then we have Dylan's Dead Heat Breakers, which I've actually never played Dylan's Rolling Western series. Apparently that's a thing on Nintendo systems. So uh, it looks like a kind of a cool pla- uh, 3D platformer. Uh, and then there was a scene where you're like rolling around, smashing into guys. I don't know. It looks fine. I, I'm I'm actually not a mobile fan. I don't like playing anything uh, mobile, like uh, mobile gaming or even 3DS Switch in mobile mode. I don't like that either. I just, just give me a home console any day of the week. That's how I prefer to game. But it looked kind of interesting, and that coming that's coming out May 24th. Then we had Mario & Luigi Bowser's Inside Story plus Bowser Jr.'s Journey, which is sometime in 2019. So... Uh, it's, it's technically a remake of, they're doing a remake of Bowser's Inside Story, which is coming sometime in 2019. So again, that's one of those like last titles to trickle out. Uh, so I don't know. It seems kind of weird, but I guess why not bring some DS games out on the 3DS? It just seems like one of those things. Again, it was a back pocket idea that they were like, oh, we don't have much software. Let's, let's green light this to get this out or whatever. Um, and then this one was the most interesting to me and actually i have to say the most disappointing so they're doing a full 3ds remake of luigi's mansion from the gamecube so now there was a luigi's mansion for 3ds already but this is a remake of the gamecube version which why this is coming out on the 3ds and not coming out on the switch really makes no sense to me i could understand it coming out on both but definitely only coming out in the 3ds i again it seems again i know i've been saying this a lot today but back pocket idea that they finally were like you know what? we've had this kind of being worked on let's let's make this one of our final 3ds games and, and push it out and maybe they'll do that and then in 2019 sometime they'll come out with like the switch version of it but it, it's an interesting thought because there was a lot of rumors about gamecube backwards compatibility coming to the switch in the form of downloads so if that was going to happen why would you just make a remake of luigi's mansion and of all games why luigi's mansion why not super mario sunshine or you know twilight princess even or or anything like that now probably because luigi's mansion was compatible because if you think about it the the 3ds for a long time was doing a lot of 
like they were doing 64 game ports, but they weren't doing GameCube ports. Like they did ports of um, Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time. I wonder if Luigi's Mansion is just that much of a smaller game. And, you know, um, it, it was actually able to be ported. And I wonder if a game like Mario Sunshine or even Wind Waker, like wasn't able to be ported. Um, personally, I thought it looked pretty terrible. Uh, I've always hated the 3DS as far as uh, its quality of, of power. And you look at kind of how jagged it always looks and it just always looked janky to me. And I've never been a fan of the 3ds is uh, is power but you can't deny the library and that's what makes the 3ds so successful is it's just incredible library that it has so those were kind of the big ones for the 3ds not a lot obviously they only showed uh f basically four games for the 3ds that are coming out this year and into next year so not a lot but again we're reaching the end of a console life cycle the original 3ds launched in march of 2011 so it was seven years ago so it's time you know seven years is a great lifespan for a console move on push all your resources into the switch now initially when all these titles started to come up for the 3ds again there were rumors starting to go around about nintendo creating a successor to the 3ds separate from the switch now first i have to say that's completely asinine nintendo's not doing that and they're not going to do that if they do that i will eat those words and i will i will eat that humble pie um with extra uh, with extra sprinkles on top because i i can't i could not imagine a world where Nintendo would make a new 3DS type handheld when you've got the Switch. I just, I could not fathom that world because it makes no sense. And part of the success of the Switch is the fact that you can take it on the go and play it at home. Nintendo can focus all their resources into making games for one system instead of having to spread it across two different systems. Because the same games never came out on both. So you're, you're having to make games and you're having to make, you know, cuts to games if you want to make them on both systems, you know, which, which happened uh, for a few. So with that being said, though, I, I think those rumors are false. I don't think that's going to happen, but it was at least very, I don't want to say it, it. It's an interesting thought, I guess, as much as I don't want it to happen. It's always fun to crank on it and to think about it. So then we moved on to the switch news. So this is what more people were waiting for. Uh, so he, the, the really big ones were they talked about how in the summer Okami HD is coming to the switch. So Okami, if you don't know, is a very, very good, was a very, very good PS2 game. And it was done by Clover Studios, which eventually got closed by Capcom and a lot of them left to form platinum games. So you have, uh, a really talented group of people basically okami is i guess if i had to give you a description i would say it most closely resembles like legend of zelda like a 3d legend of zelda game but you play as like this wolf and it's got this really cool painting mechanic it's it's really really well done it's a beautiful game it's cell shaded i actually have in the corner i have an amaterasu first four figure statue which is uh which is just beautiful and lights up and everything it's really really cool so Okami's coming to the Switch. Very cool. Uh, we also, as we already knew, though, Dark Souls is also coming to the Switch. But they did announce two new pieces of news to go along with that. The first being that they're going to do a network beta test. So they're actually going to have like a demo available where everyone can test it out, make sure that the network is functioning. So that's good. Always good when you have issues with things. Um, as you can see with the Xbox version of Monster Hunter, struggled for a long time. And uh, But then they also announced, more surprisingly... They're releasing a Dark Souls amiibo of Solaire. Solaire is, uh, has been memed out uh, as far as I'm concerned, but he is what some people refer to as the sun bro. He does the praise the sun uh, emote 
Uh, and that's, you know, it's become, like I said, a super meme and people have done countless animations and everything about it. And it's, oh, it's so hilarious. So anyway, they announced the Dark Souls Amiibo was coming alongside the game. Awesome. That's so cool. I'd buy a whole series of Dark Souls Amiibo, honestly, make all of them, um, make a million characters, but they made Solaire. Okay. That's really cool. What they didn't announce in the Nintendo Direct is that the, the Solaire Amiibo is a GameStop exclusive. Okay, well, I don't mind exclusives. Like I do hate exclusives, but some stores do it better than others. Best Buy and Amazon have really good pre-order systems. GameStop does not, as far as their online store is concerned. It was a $16 Amiibo, and every order online, because you had to order this online, I'm getting to that in a second, $6 shipping. So I had to pay $22 to get this stupid thing from GameStop. So $22 for an Amiibo. And if you went to the store to have it ordered in store with free shipping to ship to home, they their computers were airing up all day and they were having problems doing it and they couldn't do it. So of course I bought one because I have every Amiibo you can kind of see behind me there. I have every one and I was, I've was i been very happy that they've slowed down now that the Smash set is almost finished. But if they start doing a new Smash set for um, the new Smash game that's coming then I don't know, I might have to call it. I'm getting to the point where they were cool for a while, but I, I'm, I'm getting sick of the, I'm getting very sick of the, the stress that goes along with trying to find these rare things and trying to find these hard to get items because I am someone who's very, you know, in the know about all these things. I mean, I've, I know how to get these things. I know how to track restocks of SKUs. Like I know how to do all that stuff and it's still getting hard for me to get this stuff. And so for the average consumer just looking to buy this, it's becoming impossible without paying like scalper prices, you know? So that that's frustrating to me. That was my Dark Souls Amiibo story. I was able to get one and now I've got three or four friends who are like, if you, if you see another one, get one, get one. And I'm hoping that GameStop will open up in-store pre-orders, like they only reserved part of them for online pre-orders, but who knows? I mean, it's Amiibo, so it's terrible. It's GameStop's online, so it's terrible. It's their pre-order system, it's terrible. Everything about it's terrible. Uh, then they went on to talk about a new action game called Sushi Striker. Uh, so, you know, it's got a multiplayer mode. It's whatever. It's like an action game uh, you, where you match colored plates and types of sushi and hurl tall stacks of plates at your opponent. I don't know. Sounds kind of dumb. Uh, and then Octopath Traveler was shown again. Now, this is a really, really cool looking RPG, which I'm very excited to play. And it had this really cool, like if you watch the initial uh, demo of it, it, had this really cool, like the way the background worked and, and just visually it was, um, it was, it was very pleasing. It was like very nice eye candy and it looks really good. They also announced a special edition, which is going to have like a map, a pop-up book and a CD and like a replica coin, they announced that as well, which apparently went up on Amazon and instantly sold out before there was even a picture for it. And so I'm hoping that it's not an Amazon exclusive. I'm hoping Best Buy and GameStop get it because that is a game I really want to get a collector's edition for. And it, it is true that Nintendo has been skimping a little bit on the quantity of certain collector's editions. Um, you know, in the past, Bravely Default and then the uh, Fire Emblems and stuff like that. So hopefully it, uh, it becomes more readily available. Then they showed, and this one actually does intrigue me, but this one puts a smile on my face. Travis Strikes Again. It's called Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes, which is basically No More Heroes 3. And if you've never played No More Heroes, it was actually one of my, it was probably my favorite Wii game, I guess, if I had to, if I had to pick one. And you just, you're, you're a regular guy, you know, guy, you're, you're Travis Touchdown, you know, and, um, and uh, it's a cell shaded, it's like a dark cell shaded game where basically you end up, 
and I don't want to spoil too much, you end up getting this like lightsaber sword. And in doing so, it, it puts you like you end up killing somebody who tries to kill you or, or, or accidentally killing somebody. And you get this like lightsaber and unknowingly by killing that person you became like one of the top 10 assassins in the world and you have to then climb the ranks of being an assassin but they have this really weird like you have to make money to buy in so you have to do stupid mini games like mowing people's lawns and other stuff to earn money so that you could like fight the next person and then you have a big battle it used the wii motion controls which at first are really frustrating but they did it in a really smart way what they did was you just mash on the a button so you just mash it and then your guy does his combo and then when a guy's out of life it'll give you like an arrow in a certain direction to swing to be able to do like a finishing move. So you'll be just mashing A and then it's like, oh, swing to the right. Mashing A, swing up. And then if you swing up, you like cut the guy in half. Or if you swing, you know, to the left, you'll actually cut his head off or whatever. It was it was really well done actually. For motion controls, it wasn't abrasive and it was it was really good. So that's the third one because they did they did two for Wii, uh, which eventually got ported over to PlayStation 3. Uh they're really fun games. And then this one just uh yeah, I don't know. Um it's got apparently uh seven different game types and a co-op multiplayer mode where you share Joy-Con controllers, don't think I care very much about that, but I definitely want to play the game. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, so then they showed that Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is coming to the Switch. So And it's it's including a Super Mario Odyssey-themed level. Um, and then there's going to be a 3DS version that features dual screen and touch screen support. So, uh, yeah... I, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's fine, I guess. I mean, I'm just. It just seems like a, like a. It, it's a port. You know, it's another. It's another Wii U game that didn't get enough love, so they're bringing it to the Switch, which I'm okay with. The only thing I'm really not okay with is when they do that and then charge full price for a game that they've already spent money developing. You know, like like Donkey Kong Jungle Freeze and some of these other games. They release. They're gonna release that at sixty bucks. I mean that's kind of wild when you think about it. That this game has already had most of its development costs paid for. And now when you do the port, you're trying to somehow figure that that game is worth the same price as a new game that had years of development costs when this one hasn't, you know, and that, that's what's, it's frustrating to me, even though it's a first party title, at least at a discount price, like let's, let's get out of the norm of having to charge 60 bucks for every game, you know, release a game at 30, 40, 20 bucks, if that's what it's worth and we'll buy it. If it's good, we'll buy it. Uh, then they announced that Undertale was coming to the Switch at some unconfirmed date. Uh, Undertale is actually a pretty fun, quirky little indie game. I played it on Steam last year, and it was it was fun. I have to finish it still. It was neat. You know, it reminded me of like an old school, uh, like really basic RPG, and there was a lot of fun kind of wackiness and weirdness to it. And you can play the whole game without killing a certain, uh, single enemy, which I always find those really interesting. Uh, then a couple other ones they announced was. They're bringing the Crash Bandicoot and Sane Trilogy to the Switch, which I think is a great move. That's a great game to have on the Switch. I think it's perfect for that fan base. And and I think the more Crash Bandicoot games that sell, they'll maybe think about making another one. And even though it won't be Naughty Dog making it like the original three, I think they could come up with a really good version of that. I think uh, Activision could could get somebody on that. Uh, the only issue is, unfortunately, in the Xbox One and Switch versions, when that comes out, they're taking away all references to Naughty Dog since Naughty Dog is owned by Sony. And so that's kind of a bummer because you'd like them to get their due, but I do understand it. It's another company saying we're not going to advertise for our competitor in our version of the game. It happens and it sucks, but it is what it is. Um, the next they announced that there's a complete edition of little nightmares, which was a fun little indie game that came out on, uh, on the consoles. 
uh, before. It's it's like a it's like a horror puzzle kind of thing, a stealthy kind of horror side scroller. It's really neat actually. It's uh it's very realistic looking, very dark and creepy. Very good. And uh, so they're doing a complete edition of that coming May 18th. And then lastly, game wise, well there's a couple actually. So uh, second to last, they announced. Uh, South Park, the fractured butt hole is coming to uh, the switch April 24th with all of the downloadable content. Um, again, I know people really harp on the switch when it comes to ports like dark souls, South Park, stuff like that. But one thing you have to realize is when the switch was being announced and coming out, no one knew how well it was going to do the Wii U tanked and the 3ds was killing it, but it was a different market. So these companies, like when South Park was being worked on, they weren't working on a switch version until they realized if they could port it or not. And, and, I'm glad that a lot of these games are coming to the Switch now because there are people that only own the Switch and I want them to be able to experience these really good games. But at me, as, a, as someone who already owned and played all of South Park, am I going to buy it again? Absolutely not. I am buying the Dark Souls remaster, but not on the Switch. I'll get that on the PS4, which is my preferred console to play. But I don't I don't like people harping on the the, the ports coming to Switch. Because it's just after the first year of the system being out. They've had a ton of ports, but they've also had some great original stuff. So I think it's fair to, you know, that Nintendo's been making a real effort to have plenty of good first-party stuff along with the ports. It's not like it's all ports. And that's how it goes in the first year of a console lifecycle. These games take years to make most of the time. That's why you see so many indie games and stuff coming out and so many of those are your best games to buy because that's all it's available and, but but that being said the switch did a really good job and I, and I said I like my switch but I'm not like a Nintendo apologist you know like if the system's good I'll say it's good if it sucks I'll say it sucks and the switch is pretty good and it's really fun um as a PS4 owner I have a PS4 a switch and a gaming PC I have everything I could ever need you know I have an Xbox one as well I don't really ever use it but anything I can play on Xbox one I'll just play on PC anyway uh but it is you know it is there. And then uh, lastly, uh, so then they talked about Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition. So um, that's uh, Hyrule Warriors finally coming to the Switch with all the extra DLC maps. There's also a two-player local multiplayer, uh, and you can which you can play each using a single Joy-Con. I actually don't like the Warriors games. I've never liked Dynasty Warriors after like three or four. And every version they make, the only one I liked was... Um, berserk band of the hawk because it was berserk and and being guts and mowing through like hundreds and hundreds of dudes and demons uh was awesome so like it, it fits that to me a legend of zelda game where you're fighting like a thousand you know um goblins and like you know it just doesn't make sense to me because link never fights like that he's never he's never fought like that um you know fire emblem you could argue is like a war-based game so at least it makes sense that you'd be on the battlefield but the zelda aesthetic never fit for me but it is fine i guess i don't know it's just not for me and if you like it cool i don't really care and then of course lastly they showed more about mario tennis aces uh which was you know, that's kind of their flagship of this Nintendo Direct, which really was kind of dwarfed by the other announcements leading up to the final announcement here. But it's coming out June 22nd. Uh, it looks really good. There is a single player mode, which looks kind of be like an RPG type mode. It looks really fun. I hope it is. But this is something that I feel like they did a GameCube version of Mario Tennis. Then they ported that to the Wii. Then there's a 3DS Mario Tennis. Like, it just seems like how different is it really? And again, full price game, which is really just a rehashing of an old game that's already been you know being worked on so i you know i i'm not it'll probably be really fun I, I doubt it won't be fun nintendo makes really good sports games with their mario characters i just 
eh, I just don't care, I guess. <laughs> and, and I hate to be so negative about it. I just don't really care. And then this is the one that got everybody hopped up and me not excited at all. But this is what got everyone hopped up. So at the very end, there's a little bit of a trailer and you see like some some inklings from Splatoon and you see this other stuff and like they're fighting and shooting and like, OK, and then they kind of look back. And you see like this shadowy kind of character. And in in the eye of the character, you see the symbol for Smash Brothers. So they had not announced that Smash Brothers was coming. And it, just at the end of the direct, they showed the trailer and the internet exploded. Everybody was talking about, oh my God, Smash Brothers coming. Oh my God. Okay. And the first thing I have to say is, why is anybody surprised? <laughs> because you knew Smash Brothers was coming to the Switch. In fact, I said it was coming this year. I, I actually said that before this direct. I'm like, Smash will be out by the end of the year. Now, I thought it might be a port of the Wii U version with extra characters, and I'm not sure if that's what this is yet or if they're actually building a new one from scratch. I'm not quite sure what the plan is here. But they did show off some new characters, uh, namely the most important one being the Breath of the Wild Link was in the game. And and everyone's like like just squeebing out. And I, and I thought to myself, so now you have Link, Toon Link, and Breath of the Wild Link? Like if you have, I mean... It just seems weird to me, and I don't know. It just seems weird to me that you have three versions of Link in the game. But since the story of Legend of Zelda, as much as I love the series, since there's no cohesion or anything to the story, why not have no cohesion and just have a million different Links? I mean, who cares, I guess. But to me, it doesn't make sense to... If you have all these characters to pull from in the Nintendo universe and you're going to pull another Link, eh, unless he replaces a Link, like if he replaces maybe Toon Link, okay. You know, because then you have your regular link and then you have your themed link or whatever you want to say, or smash link, which I guess is technically Ocarina of Time link. I, no, that's not even accurate. I don't know. Uh, maybe Twilight Princess link? Eh, whatever. Doesn't matter. So that was a Nintendo Direct. It was actually pretty good. Honestly, it was a very good Nintendo Direct for one that was just kind of pulled out of their keister for uh, for March. So it, it was good. And and they got they had they had what makes a good. It reminded me a lot of Sony's E3 presentations. You have a little bit of what's already known. You have, you throw a few surprises in there and then you drop a bomb on them. And and that Smash Brothers was a bomb even though you should have as a good fan known this was coming. Um you should have as a good fan known it was coming, but it was, it was a big bomb. It was a big announcement. They did this one, right? Uh, I don't know if we'll see another Nintendo direct until around E3. They might do another mini one to talk about a game they've already talked about, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, it was, it was a good one. That was a good Nintendo direct. It had, it, it was, it beat people's expectations, but I don't think it disappointed anyone either. So, um, so that was a Nintendo direct again. I'm not a super big Nintendo guy, but I'm going to always give people credit where credit is due. And, we're going to, you know, Nintendo had a good one. All right. You know, good, good job, Nintendo. It was, it was fine. And then, uh, lastly, I want to cover this. I don't know how much I want to cover this because I know ad nauseum. I've been talking about this for at least the last three weeks, ever since really, ever since the, the Parkland shooting, because of course, as always, when something like this happens, People are quick to blame, whether they're quick to blame guns or they're quick to blame media, quick to blame video games, quick to blame whatever, quick to blame terrorism, whatever it is, it, it, it's, it happens. And so I, I did a video because initially it was there was a Kentucky governor who blamed video games on like a radio show saying that, that video games are being these violent video games are being forced down our throats. Then, like a week later, President Trump jumped on the bandwagon and said, you know, we got to look into video games and the internet. 
and what they're what it's doing to our kids and you're like okay could you be less specific dude um and so then there's that and then you have um most recently then after all of that last thursday the president had a meeting at the white house which was closed to the pub uh closed to the press so this was like a closed and no one's really talking about it but there have been a few quotes of the people coming out of the meeting and that's what i wanted to cover today so uh and then, end last uh, Thursday, right before the meeting, the White House uploaded to its channel, while it was unlisted, they uploaded a video, which was a two-minute, two or three-minute clip of violent video games. My understanding is that is actually the video that the White House opened the meeting with. So they sat everyone down in this room, they started the meeting by playing that video reel of violent games, which mostly was Call of Duty. Uh, and then a little bit of Fallout 4, hilariously, uh, where Fallout 4, it showed a glitch. Like, he walks right up to a guy with a shotgun and just blasts him in the face. And then the guy stands up and, like, runs away. And then he shoots him again. And then he runs a different direction. Then he shoots him a third time and his head, like, pops up into the sky. <laughs> it was so hilarious. Very realistic, too. Um, it trained me how to, how to, you know, blast my head into space after getting shot with a shotgun. But uh, all joking aside, this was uh, so that was what they opened the meeting with. And this this it I already did a video on on that video. Like I had it on the background while I was talking about it. And I definitely recommend checking that out because it was, uh, you know, I, I talked about it in real time, but they showed very out of context clips. In fact, one one clip of Modern Warfare 2 where you were in like an airport and you were shooting a bunch of civilians. Well, first of all, uh, all these games are mature. They're not meant to be played by kids. The industry polices itself. Even though there's been no evidence that suggests playing violent video games leads to violent behaviors, the industry still regulates itself and says, you know what, this game was not. This game has adult themes. It's designed for adults. It shouldn't be sold to kids. And the industry has policed itself. It doesn't need to have government oversight because it already has plenty of oversight within itself. It's actually been very responsible as an industry. I, I wish oftentimes the gun industry would do the same thing. Like, why doesn't the gun industry protect themselves and protect others by being a responsible industry you know i mean you can self-regulate and then you have to worry about the government doing anything about it if you take care of yourself and you take care of your own that's what a responsible industry does and a responsible industry has you know has a, a company representing them like the esa that does what they think is best for the industry but also for the people um and i just i just don't feel like you can say that same thing about the gun industry right now um they, they're i think they're leaning more towards protecting the profits of of the companies that are part of the industry as opposed to other things but again we're not getting political with this one but that's how i feel about that and again if you've heard my other videos and rants about this i'm not anti-gun at all i've had guns i've owned guns i've shot plenty of guns so like you know you you can put all the the liberal cuck comments down there but it's not true so um it's just common sense stuff so anyway getting back to the white house meeting on video game violence uh, there was this article I read on the uh, on the Verge. This was the day of the meeting, so this was after it came out. So it, it was entitled "The White House Meeting on Video Game Violence Was Unproductive and Bizarre." So first, we're going to talk about some of the people that were in the meeting because I want to talk about that. So uh, first, on the industry side, Rockstar Games CEO Strauss Zelnick and Zenimax CEO Robert Altman were both invited, and so was the ESA President Mike Gallagher. So obviously, uh, that would be the CEO of. Uh, Rockstar Games, which is obviously they publish Grand Theft Auto, and uh, Zenimax CEO essentially owns um, Bethesda, 
And so they produce Fallout and Skyrim and all that stuff, which is interesting because that clip had Fallout clips in it, but there were not any Grand Theft Auto clips. I mean, you'd think if you were going to make a reel on violent video games, you should do some Grand Theft Auto clips. Uh, I thought that was really strange. Um, so then we had, let's see here. Um, uh, I want to find that list because one of the, well, some of the people they invited were real, like real dumbasses. Um, okay. So then we had, uh, let's see here. Sorry about this. I just, I lost the list. I'm just trying to bring it back up. Um, no, uh, let's see. Uh, this is what the article notes. None of the three conservative critics in attendance have any particular focus on video games and each is better known for their work in other areas. So parents TV council member, Melissa Henson, she writes primarily about liberal values in Hollywood. So she attacks more of the movie industry and is less a fan of that. Uh, another attendee, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman specializes in teaching military tactics to police officers. Um, and, uh, Bozell has most recently been focused on raising awareness about alleged anti-Christian bigotry. Um, now, talking about the lieutenant, retired Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, I actually caught a clip on Fox News of him talking about this on Laura Ingram show, I think it was, and he was on there with her and Ben Shapiro. Three people I actually dislike quite a bit, but thankfully uh, Ben Shapiro was like the voice of reason. Uh, which is very <laughs> weird for me because I'm not typically a fan of his, of the way he speaks to people and, and his delivery and, and how he has a conversation, how he dom tries to dominate a conversation. But basically the guy who, the guy wrote a book called like assassination nation. And it was like, it was literally a book about how like video games and media and things and bad family structures teach kids how to be killers. Now, the one good thing he did say in that was that video games can be the catalyst in a perfect mix of someone being messed up. And I guess that's fair. Um, I guess if someone's really messed up that they have all these different things have happened, kind of like I said last week, like it's a perfect cocktail of horrible things that make someone snap and want to do this. So were video games, a piece of that puzzle, I guess I can buy that, but when you have millions upon millions of people playing video games every day that don't do this, other countries that have such little gun violence compared to us that are also very heavy into playing video games, you have to really wonder if just because it's a piece of the puzzle means it has anything to do with it. You know, a really funny um, comment that somebody put was every school shooter <laughs> wear, wore pants and breathed air. So we better ban both. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a joke, but it's, it's interesting in the sense that it's, it's correlation does not equal fact, you know? And, and so you could say, yes, like everyone who's a school shooter breathes air. So does air make us school shooters? Well, no, it doesn't. If every school shooter played video games, would that mean that every video or every person who plays video games wants to be a school shooter? Absolutely not. In fact, CBS recently did a poll that said something like 80% of mass shooters claim to have no interest in video games. So again, more proof right there. Uh, you know, about this whole thing being ridiculous. But in, in this interview with Laura Ingram, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman and Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro also does say that he thinks it's vile and, and stupid and horrible that kids should be allowed to play these games. But he also agrees with what I agree with, which is that you don't want the government regulating the industry. It makes no sense. And it really frustrates me when you have people who are conservative, who want less government, talking about controlling things with the government. You're not conservative if you think the government should step in and regulate an industry just because you don't like it. 
then you're being a hypocrite. And, and that's worse than anything, in my opinion, is being a hypocrite. And so those were kind of the people on the conservative side. And then we had the industry side people we talked about. And then there were some members of Congress who seemed uninterested in forcing the issue. In a statement after the meeting, Representative Vicki Hartzler, who's a uh, representative or a, a Republican, she focused on name on non-gaming measures. "Quote: Discussions should not be limited to just video games and guns. The president's approach of leaving no stone unturned is prudent, and similar meetings with the movie industry pertaining to gun violence on film should also be conducted." Um, and then Senator Marco Rubio, a Republican who was originally listed in the White House announcement, was unable to attend because of scheduling conflicts. So clearly, it wasn't very important to him that he went to something like that. Um, and then, so this is what, uh, this is what the ESA said in a statement. So this is, again, this is the entertainment software association. This is, uh, this is the company that is basically formed as a lobbying group to protect the video game industry. So they've got like a, a you know, kind of like you could argue the NRA does that for the gun industry, but this is kind of the video game equivalent of that. So quote, we welcome the opportunity today to meet with the president and other elected officials at the white house. We discussed the numerous scientific studies establishing that there is no connection between video games and violence, First Amendment protection of video games, and how our industry's rating system effectively helps parents make informed entertainment choices, end quote. And, and that's really it. The, the ESA and the video game industry itself polices itself, and they, they already took measures to make sure that this wouldn't be an issue. Like, that's a responsible thing for them to do. Um, and this is apparently the exact same thing when... Um, Vice President Joe Biden took on violent video games in in uh, 2013. This is the same sort of attack, well, not attack, but the same sort of tactic that the ESA went with was we have scientific information that proves that it doesn't do anything. We police ourselves. You don't have to worry about it. Like that, that was their case and it, and it worked. Um, and, and, uh, and then lastly, there was another quote. I don't think there should be any government control over it. Uh, who was Bozell? Um, but there should, but there is some programming that contains just absolute mind-boggling violence. We've all seen it. Is it appropriate in a civilized world to have that, or could the industry listen to better angels of their nature and say we just don't want to do it on a voluntary basis? So that makes a good point. That's what I kind of talked about during that video. Is th this is a this is a parental thing, and Ben Shapiro said the same thing in that interview. He said, "Look, this is up to the parents to decide what their kids can have and what they can have. It's not a government regulation stance." And I have to give it to him. I 100% believe that. And I also believe if you're going to call yourself a conservative and say you want less government oversight and less government regulation and less government control, then you can't just say, "But you know what? Those damn video games." I do want the government to control them because I don't like them. Uh, that That's hypocritical and that's wrong and you shouldn't do it. Uh, and then lastly, so that's, uh, that is the show for today. But as always, we talk about a game and I forgot to grab one in advance. <laughs> so let me look real quick. Uh, let's see. Oh, let's see. Let's talk about Friday the 13th <laughs> because... I freaking love this game, and I hate this game about equally. It is a big pain in my ass. It's near impossible to finish. I've only ever killed Jason once in the game, and after you do that, you're supposed to kill him again. And the first time I killed him, it was just a complete stupid fluke, and, and I can't even take credit for it. Uh, but basically, you play as one of many camp counselors running around Camp Crystal Lake, and what you do is you run around uh, fighting miscellaneous zombies and, and, and bats and stuff. Makes no sense. 
So you go on fighting those guys, try to get the glare off there. So you, you go on fighting those guys, and then every now and then, Jason will attack a cabin with kids in it. So you have to book ass over to the cabin, sometimes across the lake, which has fishmen <laughs> jumping out of it. And, um, and you get to a cabin, and then the kids say thank you for saving them, and then in that cabin, Jason's going to be there, and you have to fight him. So... Uh, all the different camp counselors have different abilities. Some jump high, some run fast, some are stronger weapons, some are slow and fat and stupid and like have no point whatsoever. And it's, it's really frustrating because you take your fastest best guy right away and then he dies. <laughs> and then you're like, well, I don't want to play with anybody else. This game sucks. Um, you, but there's even a forest where if you go there, there's like a hidden path to find a cabin with, or to find a cave with Jason's mom in it. You kill her, you get the sweater, or at first you get the machete, uh, which is a really good weapon. Then uh, in the second playthrough, you kill her, you get the sweater. Jason won't attack you anymore outside because every now and then you'll be walking in the side-scrolling parts, and he'll just jump out of, he'll like the screen will freeze, and then he just starts whooping your ass side-scrolling. And and I guess it's accurate because if you went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Jason Voorhees, he would just beat the hell out of you, and that's fine. <laughs> um uh, but yeah, so it, it was really fun though. And it's an LGN game, which I mean, people always take dumps on LGN and, and rightfully so, but this was actually one that was totally playable. I really like this game. It's just super hard. And, uh, I had a strategy I, I went with to try to beat it again and it didn't work. Maybe what I'll do for extra life this year is I'll try to beat this on stream. I doubt I will. It's such a pain in the ass. Um, maybe I'll speed run it out. Does anyone speed run this trash? I don't know. I'm sure somebody does. Cause why not? But anyway, as always, thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you could mash that subscribe button, like, share, friend, anything you got. We so appreciate just kind of letting us know. Follow me on Twitter at DropRateGreg. Um, we really appreciate all love we've been getting. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes or SoundCloud, if you can go to droprate.life, that'll take you to our YouTube channel or just go to YouTube and search for the drop rate and like us on there too. I mean, uh, we do a lot of content that doesn't hit the, the, the podcast wire only game talk radio hits the podcast. So it'd be really cool for you guys to see our other content, including some of my rant videos, like the one I did while watching the, the violent video game clip from the white house last week. So but as always, I so appreciate uh, all, all the love you guys always do. It, it's such a good time. I enjoy doing it. Hopefully you enjoy listening to it. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.